0: You are listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now, here's your host, Darius
1: Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. When you get a chance, visit the website, thedivorcedchristian.com. You'll find information regarding the book, which has the majority, the overwhelming majority of the information that we share on this podcast you can find in the book, The Divorced Christian, which is available on Amazon in paperback and also as an ebook. That information is right there on the website, as well as information that pertains to this podcast show. I do have another podcast show where I do teachings on other subjects, and you can find that information there on the website. My other website is dariusgood.com, D A R I U S G O O D.com. And there you'll find information about the other books that I've written. I have currently eight titles so far. The Divorce Christian is the latest book that I've put out as the Lord has given me the mandate of writing a book and providing a ministry to Christians that have experienced divorce. And so that's what we focus on on this particular podcast and we are in the process of putting together some classes, some Zoom classes that will allow us to communicate face-to-face, one-on-one, that way if you have any questions. There's a lot of information we just haven't covered yet. A lot of things we've just been laying the foundation and groundwork for, um, but we have a lot of ground to cover outside of the subject of adultery. Um, and we're going to deal with that a little bit on today, but there's also A second type of unlawful marriage That was listed in the scripture And um, I've never heard this particular subject taught as well Before we get into today's lesson Please remember to like, share, and subscribe If you're listening on the podcast show If you're listening on the radio show Thank you for joining us Same time every week Um, It's important that you rate the show uh, The podcast show Those ratings are important for us, as well as your comments. And of course, you can always reach out to us directly through email. And that information is there in the notes of today's episode. You are listening to episode 34. Today's episode is entitled, The Second Type of Unlawful Marriage in the Bible. And so we're going to cover the first type very quickly. And then we're going to get into the second type, As I've mentioned, I have never heard this taught before by any minister, but as I continue to state, it's important that we have truth. We can't teach divorce, the subject of divorce, without truth. We can't make the Bible say whatever we want it to say or leave out important, critical details on a particular subject. And this has been my gripe with the church, and I'm seeing the same with the issue of marriage as well. And so I'm currently working on another book where I will detail a lot of information that I learned on the subject of marriage. But in the subject of divorce, in the church, there is a a mindset that's been created and I've been able to go back and track where the, the mindset started. So at some point we're gonna get into those episodes. But this is not the mindset of the early church when the apostles walked the earth, when Jesus was in the earth, these men were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. The apostles were Jewish. And they understood the Jewish culture. And with that being said, there was so much that we don't understand with our, uh, I will say, American mindset, our Westerns, Western way of thinking, as we apply current laws and current mindset and culture, To what we're reading in the scripture, and and their lives were drastically different than a lot of what's painted by our Christian Bible studies. And so I've been going back um, to get a better sense of the law of Moses. And in doing so, it's made the New Testament, the New Covenant, uh, that much more understandable. And so we can't alter the law to fit a narrative, to fit a narrative that we, we want. And so, Uh, When it comes to divorce, as I've mentioned before, words that you must know. Ketubah, the marriage agreement that was necessary before a couple could enter into a betrothal period, before they could become espoused to one another. They had to draft a ketubah, which would mean Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, had a ketubah, which would mean they had a divorce plan In place, the priest would not allow a couple to get married if they didn't have their ketubah because it meant to their culture. You were you weren't taking marriage with the seriousness that a covenant of this magnitude required. Marriage is going to be the biggest, um, most significant covenant you'll ever make. And so it was important to their culture that your agreement was written out that said and more from the man's side, what the woman was to receive in case of a divorce and in case of him dying. And so it kind of worked as a prenuptial agreement It's not quite a prenup, but it works in that sense. And it's also a life insurance policy that the woman could take to the court and say, this was promised to me. And this is what I'm to receive Legally. And so it helped with any legal issues. Um, if there was a divorce or if there was a death, then it made it easy for the court to award the wife the things that was agreed upon. With that being said, um, there were two types of unlawful marriages, and there might be a few more that I've learned of late, but I'll I will only deal with these two as we're dealing with this subject. The first we've been covering extensively since the beginning of this podcast show, which was the adulterous marriage, and we quickly define this as a marriage, not your second marriage after a divorce. That's Western thinking. That's American teaching, American Christian teachings on the subject of divorce. It's not biblical. It's not found in the Bible. What you do find in the Bible is the adulterous marriage. And we covered that, especially on last week, going through those examples of David's life and Samson's life. But we see it throughout the scriptures as men would leave their wives. And it was so common that they had a term, another word we must know, aguna. So the women were trapped in their marriages. And this is what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans. So in Romans chapter 7, verse 2, he uses this example, and he was not talking about marriage. He was talking about another spiritual point that he was making, but he uses this example of marriage to help us understand the point, point. and what the church has done is taken the example and taught it as Paul establishing New Testament um, legalities for marriage, spiritual legalities. So at verse 2, Romans 7, 2, For example, and I'm reading from the NLT version, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the law of marriage no longer applies to her. And we've taken this verse to state that as long as your divorced spouse is still living, you cannot remarry. And that's not what Paul was discussing. And that's not what he's talking about. But he does highlight the law of Moses. And that's what I'm saying on today. The woman is bound to her husband. She could not remarry. The husband, as long as he was alive, she was not free to marry. She could not go to the court and say, my husband abandoned me. So abandonment was never um, in their time a reason. It was not a just cause for a woman to remarry. So, these women remained aguna until the day that they died. So, it's important we understand this about their time and culture. And that term is still being used today, aguna. So, what transpired was as these women were stuck in their marriages, they were only freed from the marriage through death or a divorce. So now with abandonment, if the man did not issue a divorce to the woman, she was she was trapped. And of course, we do understand there were just causes in which a woman could request a divorce. But for today's lesson, the woman is stuck in her marriage unless she receive word that her husband had died out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. They can go to the court. The woman would then be released from the marriage, receiving her Agreement, whatever was in her ketuba, she received that amount, that portion, and she was now free to be another man's wife. In doing so, uh, she remarries. She ends up having children. If she discovered, or they discovered, that the husband is now still alive, now we have an adulterous marriage. Remember, adultery was punishable by death, and adulterous marriage was not punishable by death. the The legal requirement was divorce. The first husband had to divorce the woman, as well as the second husband, the adulterous husband. Both are required to divorce the woman. She was off limits to both men for the rest of her life, but she was free to be a third husband's wife. That's the law as it pertains to an adulterous marriage. And so, once again, that adulterous marriage, through these legal terms, What I just described was now viewed as a unlawful marriage. But there was a second type of unlawful marriage that's mentioned in the Old Testament and in the New Testament scriptures. Jesus talks about it, but no one highlights this portion of the scripture. That's why I believe there is a a narrative in our teaching, Christian teachings on the subject of marriage and on our subject of divorce, but it's not biblical. It's not founded in the Bible. And so let's explain what this second unlawful marriage is. Moses outlines this in several passages, but we're going to look at one passage on today, and it will be Leviticus chapter 18. And so if you go to Leviticus chapter 18, and I'm going to read this out of the NLT version, because I believe uh, it just makes it a little easier to kind of put the relationships together. But these are relationships where kinships were too close together. And so in the NLT version, they label this chapter forbidden sexual practices. And Moses begins to outline what a close relative is. He defines it for them. So in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6, You must never have sexual relations with a close relative for I am the Lord. And then he's going to define what a close relative is. Verse seven, do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Let me stop there because as I mentioned, when Moses wrote the law of Moses, or the law of God, what he did was he used the patriarchs and the matriarchs and their lives and their experiences as part of a blueprint of what was now lawful and what was unlawful now moving forward. So let me let me lay this down quickly because another narrative in the church is we throw out the relationship between Abraham and Hagar. Her marriage don't count. She was a handmade. She was a servant. But the Bible says that Abraham married her. I was watching a video the other day and they kept describing the relationship between Abraham and Hagar as a relationship outside of the marital bounds. So they're highlighting the relationship of Sarah and Abraham as being the legal marriage. This situation with Hagar is unlawful. And so Ishmael is kind of X'd out of the story as we use them as the example of doing things in our own flesh, not waiting on God, not having faith. And he becomes our example. Uh, Hagar and Ishmael becomes our example of the flesh. And then Isaac represents the spirit, the promise of God. But Abraham and Hagar were legally married. During that time, it was lawful for men to have multiple wives. Abraham never did anything that was unlawful. So we point to to Adam and Eve and say, well, it was always intended to be one man and one woman. But during their time in culture, during that time in culture, men had multiple wives. So I find it hypocritical that we will not embrace Hagar and acknowledge that marriage, but we have no issues Because because we this is an anti polygamy stance. But then we have no issues with Jacob marrying Rachel and Leah in order to have the 12 tribes. That's polygamy. Nothing wrong with that, but there's something wrong with Hagar and Abraham. So my point is this. Everything that they did, the patriarchs, matriarchs, whatever they did, there was no law in place. There was no law. The law was given to Moses when he went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. From that point on, we now have the laws of God, what is permissible and what is not. So from this point on, these things were not permitted. So Leviticus 18, verse 6. Let's go to verse 7. You cannot have sexual relationships with your mother. What I'm going to do is read this out of the King James Version. It says, the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Notice the language, uncover her nakedness. He uses terms, and we don't talk this way, but the nakedness of the father is his wife. Why am I highlighting this? In Genesis 9, we have the story of Noah, and we have this encounter with Ham where he talks about seeing his father in the tent, and he makes this statement how Ham, this is verse 22, Genesis 9, 22, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. He's not talking about seeing Noah naked. This is referring to seeing the mother, Noah's wife, naked. Ham saw his mother naked. And this is what produced Canaan. This is why Noah cursed Canaan. Canaan was born out of of a ancestral relationship. So now there was the four boys birthed by this woman, Shem, Ham, Jephthah, And now Canaan, that woman gave birth to these four boys. So that's where we have the curse of Canaan. So that's an ancestral relationship. It was not a a homosexual relationship, as we keep hearing taught in the church. So now notice that language again. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 18. As it says at verse six, none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Verse seven, the nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thy not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Verse eight, the nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. So they use this, this language, which is not common for us, but it helps us understand the story of Noah. So that's why. Moses is putting these laws in place. So as as we go through them, I'll just highlight some of the Old Testament stories so that we can remember some of these things that we've read about in the scripture. So I'm gonna go back to the NLT version. I think that version makes it just a little easier to put these relationships in place. So at verse seven, do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. That's the story of Ham. Verse eight. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. This is dealing with multiple wives. So we even see in the law of Moses, it was still lawful for polygamy. Now, we don't have any examples in the Old Testament before the law of Moses of this transpiring. I couldn't think of any. If you can, please email me, let me know. But I do remember the story of David, how his son Absalom, took his concubines, David's concubines, up onto the rooftop. If if concubines had no value, then what Absalom did really would have been pointless. It's meaningless. These women are just servants, hand, handmaidens, slaves. You can do what you want with them. But the nation of Israel understood what Absalom did. Those women were David's wives, even though they were concubines. So in doing so, it was a sign to the people that he was equal to the king. So what he did was unlawful. And it was unlawful now, according to the law of Moses, which we see here in Leviticus chapter 18 at verse eight. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Verse nine, do not have sexual relations with your sister or half sister. That's Abraham and Sarah. Whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born into your house, household or someone else's. Verse 10. Do not have sexual relations with your grandfather. I'm sorry, your granddaughter, whether she is your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for this would violate yourself. Then it says, do not have sexual relations with your stepsister, the daughter of any of your father's wives. For she is your sister. So they consider stepsister to close a relationship. Verse 12. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. This is your your aunt. For she is your father's close relative. Why is this important? We skip this detail. Moses' mother was married to her nephew. If you go to Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. Exodus 6, 20. It says, Amram, this is the father of Moses, Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she gave birth to his sons, Aaron and Moses. And Amram lived to be 137 years old. So Moses and Aaron and their sister Miriam, which is listed in Numbers 26, verse 59, as being the daughter of both Jacobed and Amram, they were all birthed out, a, out of a ancestral relationship. So I find it interesting that what Moses is describing in Leviticus chapter 18, he falls in the category of what he is now describing as being unlawful. Let's continue this list. So at verse 12, do not have sexual relations with your father's sister, for she is your father's close relative. 13, do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister, for she is your mother's close relative. Verse uh, 14, do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife, for she is your aunt. Verse 15, do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife, so you must not have sexual relations with her. That's the story of Judah and Tamar. And you can find that story in Genesis chapter 38. So back to Leviticus 18, verse 16, do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife, for this would violate your brother. We're going to come back to this one. Verse 17, do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter and do not take her granddaughter, whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They are close relatives, and this would be a wicked act. So you can't deal with one woman and then deal with others a part of her bloodline. Verse 18 While your wife is living, do not marry her sister and have sexual relations with her, for they would be rivals. This is Jacob and Leah and Rachel. And so we understand there's another law that's in place where the man was required to marry his brother's wife if the brother dies and there's no children. That law is very important in the Jewish community, and they still follow that law today. But they go through the practice of uh, removing the shoe, um, loosening the shoe and stating um, some, I think there's like spitting on the ground and stating that she's free to be another man's wife. They still do that act today if a man dies. And so it's very interesting. But we see, as I highlighted, they, Moses, looked at the patriarchs and the matriarchs and put these laws in place. Why is this important? Let's jump forward to New Testament and we have King Herod and King Herod took his brother's wife. Matthew 14, verse three, Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother's Philip's wife. Why? Verse 14. John said unto him, it is unlawful for thee to have her. This is Old Testament law. And John the Baptist was keeping the law. He's explained to the king, you have an unlawful marriage. Why? You can't marry your brother's wife. There's a second part to this story was Herodias divorced her husband who was still living. In the book Josephus, Josephus wrote, and this is Antiquitus 18.5.4. He said Herodias took upon her to confound the law of our country and divorced herself from her husband while he was alive and was married to Herod her husband's brother by the father's side he was tetrarch of Galilee so in the marriage of king Herod we find them breaking both laws both old testament laws one that deals with the law of incest and the one that does not permit women to initiate divorce And on next week, we're going to look at what Jesus said regarding this particular marriage. I think there's a detail that we keep missing in the scripture. Thank you for joining us on today. Until next week, be blessed.
0: You've been listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.